G'day guys, welcome to the Fishbowl. We're here at Deolius today at the cellar door and we've got Mike and Joss, the masters of the uh, the grapes, the vines, the uh, excellent wines you've probably had if you've come to the Hunter. Um, if you haven't checked these guys out, you definitely need to come visit the cellar door. Uh, but we're sitting with these guys today because we want to talk about uh, their story, their branding and the story of, of Deolius. Um, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. Have you ever done a podcast before? Listen to plenty. Okay. I haven't done, done one, yeah. First time listener, long time, no, long time listener, first time doer. Love it. You have to start subbing to the fishbowl now. I am already. I've done <laughs> oh, it already. Yes, yes. That's the right answer. <laughs> you guys have been making wine for a very long time uh, and um, Joss, you kick things off about 30 years ago, is that right? That's correct. Yep. And, uh, and Mike's your son, so it's a bit of a family business. And, uh, you know, tell us a bit about that story, where you guys started from. And Well, I, I started by planting the vineyard um, and, and sort of at the time when I was planting the, the vineyard, Chardonnay was the, the name of the game. And if you had Chardonnay, you could sell it and there'd be no problem. And for 10 years, I did just that. I sold a lot of Chardonnay to, to well-known wineries around. And, um, and then the, the crunch came into the Chardonnay and it slowed down. Uh, a lot of changes in the marketplace. A lot of winery were bought by bigger wineries and closed and whatever. And here I was, I got this beautiful vineyard planted with great aspiration and, and sort of thinking what I was going to do next. My best thing that happened to me was Michael turning up at um, um, one day after finishing his university degree and science degree and saying, well, Dad, I've, I've learned a lot at university. I found the bar very exceptional. The food wasn't that good, but uh, geez, we ate well and drank well. So I want to be in the food and wine industry. So I thought, I thought I was dreaming when he was telling me that because... I couldn't believe my ears when he said, I want to be a winemaker. So How good's that? Father's dream come true. Yeah, father's dream come through. And, and so uh, uh, very sternly I said to Michael, you've got to come up with a business plan because uh, in my business career I always looked at the, having a plan to achieve a result. So consequently uh, Michael um, did put a, a one-page business plan together and I've got to tell you looking back on it now – 20 years later, and um, it's pretty close to tail. Though I didn't get the way I wanted it, he got it the way he wants it. And, 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 and gratefully so, because uh, the wines are now on the top 10% in Australia. And uh, Mike, when you first came into the business, mate, what was that like? Did you, do you feel like, um, you know, you, you originally started off as a winemaker, but you had to transition into that business owner role, you know, coming up with a business plan and figuring out what the, what the goals were long-term? We'd always had the vineyard growing up. As Dad said before, we, he was, we were growing grapes and selling fruit. Um, I'd, you know, planted vineyard. I'd run wires and trellising and pruned and picked grapes and I did all that and had absolutely no real interest to get into the industry. Um, but then when I saw the winemaking side and the application of science and chemistry and, and that was sort of started to pique my interest and went, oh, and I actually enjoyed the physicality of the work as well, but it was that... Love that. Yeah, that bringing yeah. together of dragging hoses around the winery and, and you know, 
looking at why we do stuff and thinking about the product and where we want to end up. That was probably what excited me about it. I love the uh, I love the comparison um, to Walter White. You're like a modern day Walter White. If you've ever seen Breaking Bad, a bit of a mad scientist from the, the chemistry point of view. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the probably... A um, little bit more profitable in the uh, <laughs> the production. There are a lot more risk in involved in that. Game, yeah, yeah, the methamphetamine. <laughs> Often thought like you know, vintage is a time of year we work. You know, it's it's as my wife says, you work hard for six weeks of the year, and then you spend the rest of the year complaining about how hard you work for six weeks of the year. But it is real. Like you know, our vintage goes from we start harvest here in the Hunter, sort of mid round, you know, sort of Australia Day is kind of always the benchmark. But there, the week before or that Australia Day week, and we will harvest up until sort of early March, um, first week in March. And it's around the clock then, you know, where you're here from, from, you know, five in the morning till, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night and then go home, get a couple of hours. If the harvest is going that night, you'll call into the vineyard, see what's going on and then get a couple of hours sleep, come back in at five in the morning and go again. You know, if you have a bad hailstorm come through just prior to harvest or yeah. if there, you know, it's a rain event or something happens, potentially you can lose a crop. Um, yeah, it'd be devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And financially um, crippling as well. You know, yeah. if, you, if you do lose a vineyard and we've, we've had it before, we've lost a whole vineyard due to due to hail. And, you know, there's potentially 100, 120 grand's worth of growing costs that you wow. just may as well throw, tip down the drain and start again the next year. And, and for any business, it's a challenge. I mean, everyone, every business got its risk and, and the wine industry's no different. Our, our risks are a little bit more visual and and a little bit more out of your control and that's probably the hardest thing is there are a lot of risks in other business but you can control a certain amount of it this is the you know the weather's something completely out of your control and out of your hands that yeah if you go shit i could have bought a nice car or gone on a really good holiday with that if we knew that was going to happen and not spent 120 grand in viticulture that year but yeah that's the that's the game we're in when we uh when we first met to create a video for your business, uh, it was that peak season, the harvest. Uh, you guys were working tirelessly around the clock. We saw firsthand just how stressful it can can be during that time of year. Um, the thing that stands out to me is you guys, when we caught up, spoke about staying really authentic to your brand, to the vineyard, and, and you mentioned that you're simply just custodians of, of the vineyard. There's nothing fancy going into it. You're really just helping the vineyard tell its tell its story. You you do have to give a certain amount back to the land. Like you can't take and take and take from any piece of ground, whether it's grapes or corn or sugarcane or whatever it is. Like you do need to put methods in place to actually return organic matter back to the soil. And I think it's it's not rocket science. It's like if you keep taking stuff from the from the soil, eventually that soil's not going to give you a lot of stuff back mm. um so you've got to give back to the to the ground and you know that's there's yeah, put a lot of work and dad's probably the main driver in that component of making sure that the the vineyards looked after and and yeah the soil not you know the biodiversity in soil is probably a big thing it's a bit like a business isn't it like to a vineyard you know if you keep taking and taking you don't you know put back into it you're eventually going to yield nothing and, you know, like you guys find with business, like you, you keep investing in the business, investing in the business and, uh, you know, you, you keep, keep yielding. Yeah. You, you've got to make sure that you invest in the right section of the business 
to, to carry on. In the vineyard, the, diff- the difficult thing in the vineyard, you've got to wait about seven years before you start to see the result. It takes a long time. Uh, the, the, the life of a vine is approximately 40 years, um, uh, but it declines fairly rapid if you don't then look after it, look after it mm. well. So when you see some of the old established vineyard, there's a lot of work goes into that. Yeah, a lot of work. A lot of work, yeah. Uh, to keep the, the vineyard uh, uh, profitable, because it's got to produce a certain yield to, to be able to at least pay for its cost, and then to try and make a bottle of wine out of it. Um, that is not necessarily an easy task to do, but that's where the the business mind's got to come in, and you've got to say, well, okay, I've got to plan ahead. I've got to make sure I put something back, because by just getting the the, the grape value back in and pocketing them and saying, that well, I'm not making enough. If you don't put it back in, you're not going to get anything at all as time goes on. You know, because the industry is so tough and it is very saturated market, how do you guys stand out in a market like that? We're a name that no one can pronounce. <laughs> I love that. And that's the saying, that's the slogan of the, slogan. Uh, of the vineyard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it is. It's That's all like the challenge with, I suppose, any product or you know, standing out from the crowd, how you, how you, um, you know, particularly in a, a market like wine, which is, yeah, it is saturated. There's, you go into any Dan Murphy's, um, you know, the thing the consumer doesn't know is, is more than half the brands on the shelf there are actually owned by Woolworths. Wow. Um, okay. So you're not only competing for consumer attention, you're actually competing for shelf space against, um, like the supermarkets, um, against other big brands. Um, so when we first like that, so business plan for us over when we first, like our first proper, and I always sort of say our first proper vintage as, as a, as a winery was 1998. So we're now just gone 21 years. Um, when we originally started off, the business plan was so much different to where it is now today, um, in what our forecasts were for production, where we saw sales, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a massive, uh, change, I suppose, within the industry itself. Uh, yeah, we're, it's, there's a duopoly of in the the retail. Like we were originally started off. The plan was, you know, we're going to sell most of our wines to you know bottle shops and restaurants, and we'll, we started a wholesale business where we, you know cellar door was not something we we did. We didn't have a cellar door. We we had a you know on the road. We were out there, you know, trying to flog wine to to anyone that would buy it, anyone that had a liquor license, restaurant, bar, bottle shop, um, export. And then, so that took you off the road and I was, you know, small business owner. So I was, I was out in the road yeah. trying to sell wine, you know, trying to make appointments, going trips overseas. Um, and then you'd come back after six weeks on the road and realize that, oh, hang on, I've got all this wine in the winery that I've neglected and not looked after and, um, and the wine quality was going down, and and it, it was a it was a probably two thousand and five. I reckon that we so we opened the cellar door. So the cellar door became part of the equation in in oh one. Um, the business plan hadn't really changed. I don't think up until then um, we were still going. We were trying to be. You know, we we had, were aiming for a size that we needed to get to to be profitable and. Um, we needed to sell X dozen overseas, and we needed to sell Y dozen to to the soup to the bottle shops, and we needed to sell you know Z dozen to consumers, and 
And it's hard. Like there's that much wine out there and then when you go away and you, you're not here looking after the product, you just work vintage and then you go, right, now go off and sell it all. So you're out there, you know, yeah. trying to sell, which is, you know, it works, but you get back and the wine's not great and then you're bottling wine and you're like, yeah, I'm not really happy with it and you go out into the road and you're trying to sell it and the, the product's not great and you're like, it's hard to sell really good wine. It's even more difficult because it's near on impossible to sell bad wine. And and we, I think it was 05, we had a big shift in business plan, which was to, to, to or not to shrink the business, but to look at our sales and basically like we're only going to make what we can sell and we're not going to because wine's hard like you've got to forecast in advance you get one crack at it you've got to have a look and go right in two years time i'm going to be selling you know x dozen shiraz because it's a two-year cycle to get it made aged bottled aged then sell so it's a pretty far out forecast of looking at and look we were pretty ambitious as any new business is like you go, yep, I'm yeah, you're ready to growth ready on growth on growth, yep. and and then you're like, yeah, it's not sometimes it doesn't pan out that way. Gosh. Um, so 05, we went, no, nah, I'm going to spend all my time in the winery, I'm going to spend any time on the road, um, and I'm going to focus on wine. I'm going to work on the, the build it and they will come philosophy of just trying to make a really good bottle of wine, like the best bottle of wine I can, and yeah. Dan's came, or Dan Murphy's came knocking on the door. Oh, we want to buy your product. Um, Cole's came knocking. We want to buy your product. And then all of a sudden you can go, oh, okay, that's a lot easier than going to meetings with Woolworths and Coles and trying to sell them wine. It's heaps easier if they come and knock on the door and say, can we buy your product? I love that. There's so much value in a good product. Like if you just focus on a good product, a really good product, that sells itself. Like there's word of mouth it builds its own brand and its own name. And look, the, uh, the, the biggest issue with that is it is, it's so slow. It is, it is yeah, a really it's a, slow it's a long burn. game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and look, you're not in the wine industry for quick, like, you know, the quick return. Like if you're planning vineyard, you know, as Dad said before, you know, you, you've got seven years, but you put an input into the, to the vineyard and you've got seven years to see if it worked. Yeah. You know, you plant a new great variety that you don't know if it's going to work. Like you've got 10 years to see if it's going to work. Like it's, it's a slow, slow burn. I mean, it's like, it's like any business. I mean, obviously like wine is, is its own beast. Uh, but you know, like any business, like it, it, it is a long game. Like you don't go into business for short term success. You go into it because you're passionate and, and you know, you, you, you persist. And-, and that's probably why you've got to be very focused on what you're doing and how you're doing it. Okay, like and, your why? And, and, and like uh, we, we are selling some wine into China, small quantity, uh, selling wine into the US. And last year we tried, we are trying to sell wine into Europe, which is a very difficult place to sell wine. Mm. So it's a tough market to crack. So you really got to sort of stand out. I think you you know, stand that's out. why you approached us to do a video to help tell your story. Yeah, so. Uh, help, help sell that product. And, and you know, you guys are so authentic i think it's it's really comes across in in your branding and and you know the video in particular you know to help to help really push that product to to a new market exactly so we talked about the terroir and 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 that was a very important statement to make because we said that each area and each part of the world makes great wines but who they're, they're all that little different and that's what you're trying to taste in australia we've got Probably four or five different countries, <laughs> like Europe. 
<laughs> that we can have different tasting of different flavours. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and it's got to come back to, to, to what you appreciate in the wine and this is what we're trying to do. Love that, love that. Every, uh, you know, every vineyard needs to say authentic to, to terroir. Yeah, to its place where it's been made, mm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, all the like authenticity of what what you do, and um, I mean, I suppose that's trying to find uh, probably a voice isn't the right word, but what we do here and telling that story. I mean, that's the particularly overseas. I think Australian wine is built on storytelling and finding as many methods as you can to tell that story and to tell like to show like this is what we do here and. Um, and that's, I suppose, the challenge for us as as wine. And getting, you know, you look at the, I suppose, the big boom in wine, the wine industry, like all industries, is is cyclic. Um, we went through a big boom, particularly in export in the US and the UK, in the mid nineties, um, early late nineties, okay. um, and it was winemakers on the road telling stories. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, and I reckon I probably haven't seen that amount of like I mean I was just starting out in the industry and it was like that's what you did like winemakers spent huge amounts of time on the road um selling wine like there's I know some of the big brands I've got friends that work in in big wineries and where there's a number of winemakers um some of those winemakers will spend 30 weeks on the year of the year traveling to sell booze Wow, that's um, huge. <laughs> and that kind of died off as the markets kind of got smaller and more price competitive and margins got chewed. There was, you know, probably less guys on the road selling wine because big companies were pulling back and going, well, hang on, the margins aren't there. We can't afford for for Joss to go on the road for, mm. you know, eating yeah. at these bloody good restaurants and <laughs> all buying the all them. Yeah. Expensive taste. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, and they went, no, no more travel. And that was when the Australian industry, um, you know, I suppose the industry as a whole saw a little bit of dip in, in export sales. Obviously, production was still booming. Planning was still going on because everyone had, had these massive forecasts based on this massive growth in the mid-90s and late-90s and going, look at this, the industry's just going you know, bunter, and then they went, oh, hang on, we're not so, – so then there was – that's the, the the bust, boom and bust. And, and now I think it's it's back and everyone's kind of realised that, no, we need to get on the road and we need to sell more wine and we need a presence in the US and we need a presence in Europe and we need a presence in China. Um, and how we tell those stories to the consumers over there is, I mean, is so much different now than I'm sure what they were doing in the, even in the, the mid-90s. And, and having something like a video or, you know, an awesome website or something that you can take over there to try and explain your story and show, yeah, this is where we're from. This is what it's like. This is our bit of dirt that we... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, story's king, I think. Yeah. It's just really, it's so important because without it, you know, we, there's nothing. I've, you know, just to get a bit deep... I like to draw a comparison between the vineyard, you know, winemaking. You guys are just telling the story of the grapes. You're just, you know, helping helping bring that story to life. You know, with marketing, it's a similar thing. We're just listening to, you know, your story and, and helping, helping you guys tell that to other people, facilitate that. Marketing is critical to any business. It doesn't matter if you're a, um, a bottle maker or manufacturer of white goods or power or whatever. Unless you tell your story, people don't understand. Um, um, don't understand how it's made. Don't understand the complexity. Why is, is, is one more expensive than the other? 
and, and what makes it. People don't understand the components that go into it. And this is one of the things that uh, we need to do and we need to show. And uh, I, I certainly got to say that that uh, video was very well appreciated because it, it, it very much resounded the, uh, the, the message that we were trying to take across. And they, they saw it and they understood. Um, they were looking for the kangaroos. Oh, we missed putting kangaroos, kangaroos. in. <laughs> so we have to go back and throw a kangaroo in. <laughs> oh, is that a good kangaroo story? Yeah. So, but but, yes. but it make them understand because now kangaroos have learned to eat grapes too because of the dry weather. In Everyone's addition to the flying I'll be foxes. out there next eating, eating, eating right. so, grapes. <laughs> so, 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 so they're, they're creating problems, but we still like them coming into our vineyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good imagery. Yes. That is awesome, guys. Um, just before we wrap up, Tell us uh, one thing most people wouldn't know about wine or winemaking. Bit of a fun fact. Yes, where did they get the colour from? How do you get it red? The red grape makes red wine. No, no, no. The skin makes the wine red. The, oh. ju- the, the pulp inside is still, still makes white wine. So you can make white wine out of red grapes. There you go. If you want to try... Julius wine. It is honestly a fantastic wine. These guys really do know what they're doing. Um, you know, how can how can people jump on, try out your wine? Where do they where do they look for you guys? Oh, they can jump online onto uh, dwine.com.au, so D-E wine. We don't make you spell Deulius. Um, or yeah, in locally in Australia, I know there's the the yeah, you can duck in your local Dan Murphy's or or Coles supermarket and and uh, hopefully pick up sort of more of some more accessible wines. But the best way and the best experience is to uh, jump in the car or get on a plane and yes. fly to the Hunter Valley and not only check us out, but also come. Um, there's you know, some really, really exciting things happening in the space of wine tourism. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast is, is talking about wine tourism and the wine tourism business and what that space it's uh but in the hunter it's it's yeah it's really unique love that um and yeah come and see the the bat eating kangaroos we'll have to uh catch up in a couple of months and do another podcast on that <laughs> and uh, eating kangaroos yeah. um but yeah and support local winemakers thank absolutely. you absolutely awesome guys thank you so much for coming yeah. on the podcast it's, thank you it's been Thanks awesome let's drink some Something to uh, listen to i'm not gonna listen to myself in the car though <laughs> I'll leave that annoying voice for other people to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we'll, uh, let's go drink some uh, premium vino. Get into it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.